Hey, it's Carolyn from Homesteading Family. Before we jump in today's pantry chat, I'd like to invite you to join me for a free four-part video series where I'm going to take you step-by-step through making high-quality dairy products in your very own kitchen. Don't worry, there's no cow required. (laughs) If you'd like to join me for the training, jump on over to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash dairy. Hey you guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week we're discussing how to prioritize your homestead projects and kind of your want list of projects too, right? Oh man, you know, and you guys all know when uh, you've got a homestead going, whether it's 40 acres or whether it's a quarter acre or a suburban lot and you're trying to do all these things, there's a lot to choose from, there's a lot to get done Mm -hmm. and it is a challenge. And we definitely need a way to think about what do we do? What do we put off to later? What do we not do? Well, and I know a lot of you guys are just like us. You love getting to learn. You love getting to do different projects and learning these different skills. But how do you choose which one to tackle first? We're just going to do it all, right? (laughs) We don't need to sleep. (laughs) Sleep's for sissies. (laughs) That's right. <laughs> as as I nod while we're <laughs> not off while we're talking today, okay. uh, but in the meantime, we're going to catch up a little bit with a little chit chat and answer actually a couple of your questions today. Because hey, it's been a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, you're here. We're sitting together. No, isn't that great? It is nice to be home. I, I started thinking, gosh, people are probably like wondering if we're having marital problems What's going and we're on like with... living in different places. Or <laughs> no, he still lives here. <laughs> Thank goodness. But uh, but you've been busy and doing all sorts of things. So what have you been up to? Yeah, well, really exciting stuff. And I think some of this is probably obvious. We've been talking about something big and new and exciting coming. And, uh, you know, we are building an online homesteading school right? A school where we're bringing many instructors to you, not just Carolyn and I, that uh, is really going to change and shape how you learn and I think accelerate the learning journey. Yeah, this is this is really exciting. So this, you know, we've been kind of tiptoeing around this, but this is a major project for us and we are so excited because you guys know our story a little bit and that um, you know, when we started homesteading, we're not coming from generations of homesteaders. We're no. we're like we are pioneering this information for well, ourselves. in you know, in an area of Southern California, while we were rural and in the mountains, where you know nobody, there was no knowledge, there was no you know no old timers, no anybody to draw from, and and really there was barely any YouTube, if any at all, back then. Right. When we started, way back then, it was books, <laughs> what you could find, and trial and error. Yeah. And, you know, you'd ask everybody you ran into, but most people didn't know. Occasionally yeah. you got kind of a jewel conversation that gave you some insight. But I know from talking to a lot of you guys, a lot of you have had the same struggles. Like the information is surprisingly scarce about some of these things that we really need to learn. We really need to regain these skills before the knowledge, the old knowledge is lost. And so we just have a passion to bring this information to you guys in a way that makes your life easier 
easy. Well, not it, having to scramble. And accelerates the journey. And mm -hmm. only, I mean, we're we're a couple of creators here, right? And you guys watch other creators, and we're all out here, and we all have our things that we can teach on. None of us can cover it all. None of us can just consolidate all that information. But all of us together, as creators, as the people that are trying to help you guys out, can come together. And so we are creating a place where creators are going to come together for specific schools. This is skills. This is an educational experience, and where it's going to streamline the learning process. And you can still go to YouTube and you can still watch Homesteading Family and, and whoever it is that you love to follow, but you're going to come here to see all those people in one place really honed in on the skills. That's that's what's really exciting. And so that is just, we think that's going to be a game changer to the educational journey to help people live the lives you're living, because we've all got to live our regular lives that we're trying to build these skills. And this is going to accelerate that learning process a lot as it comes out. So we're very, very excited. <laughs> it's called the School of Traditional Skills. More information will be coming. Yeah, we'll, we'll but, keep sharing it with you guys. But we can say it's coming out this summer. It is coming right? out this summer. Yeah. So it's not so, that far away now. And uh, we're not ready to release dates yet. We're getting mm -hmm. all that dialed in, but it is coming really soon. And so I've been out filming. I've been out directing and, and producing these classes uh, with different folks. You saw I was with Anne of All Trades. <laughs> and um, we did a class here. Carolyn's got a class for you. Melissa K. Norris has got a class for you. And um, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Bass. Bass, Farmhouse on Boom. Those are some of the ones we've done. There are more coming. We're, we're going to hold on to that for right now. <laughs> um, but Let me just say, we have dug in to find the people who have the deep knowledge on a topic and who are ready to share it with you. And so the, the names are exciting. The people are exciting because of their knowledge and how they can share that and, and get it to you in the easiest possible way. And so it's yeah, exciting. It's very exciting. And it's, so it's going to come out this summer, but it's not going to just be a one-time release either. No. It's going to be, it's going to build day after day, month after month, year after year into a school, an online school. So very, very exciting. And I'm going to continue to be in and out because we're filming all summer long. I'm literally all over the country. Hopefully, we'll be bring, continuing to bring some of those folks onto the pantry chat when I'm out. Yeah. And um, yeah, just really, really cool. So that's that's a lot of my life right now <laughs> while trying to jump in at home and deal with spring. And, uh, you know, we just got some, some of the first things out in the garden mm -hmm. and we've got starts indoors and we've got new lambs and we just looked at the calendar and said, oh my, the cow is supposed to calf here within a week. Right. Um, that was actually shock to us. In my mind, I had the end of May, not... And now. I did I did too. And so as we were planning, <laughs> prioritizing, thinking about, you know, we, we do a chore adjustment within the whole household every year. And we're looking at that. And okay, somebody's got a milk. I'm like, oh, wow, this is coming up fast all of right. a sudden. So life on the homestead is still happening. It hasn't stopped. Uh, thankfully, the kids are older. And so we're in a good place yeah. to do this. And um, so, yeah, really, it's uh, just a lot of exciting stuff. And but I may need something to prop my eyelids open <laughs> as there's a lot of travel involved. Uh, <laughs> and that's and, and life on the homestead goes on. So good. lots well, of good coffee. We will keep you guys yep. updated on that. So keep watching. So what about you? What are you up to? You're just put, putting your feet up, kicking back. Well, while I'm gone, you know, you're right? You're not home, so we're just ordering 
delivery pizza and watching movies all the time. Right. You know, we can when the when the when the cats away, the mice will play. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See how you are. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, okay. So, oh, hey, before I go any further, here's what I've been up to: the latest issue of In the Homestead Kitchen magazine just arrived. So I'm really excited. Right. Again, you guys can get your subscription to the magazine, but I got to tell you, this one that I'm holding in my hands right now is the only physical copy in existence. You will not get a physical copy. It is a digital magazine, but every month it's based around a different food that you can produce mm -hmm. on the homestead. This month is all about milk. And this is where I share a lot of my recipes, a lot of the uh, information that I have learned, and it is amazing amazing and you're going to want to try out these recipes so make sure i'll put the link in the description you jump over oh here's the last one this one's good too um this was on spring greens this was last month's so make sure you jump over and check that out grab your subscription to that so that you are getting all the latest information i know you guys are always asking for more recipes from me this is the place I'm sharing more recipes. Right. So make sure you jump over there. Um, so I've been working on that, and that's always fun. But around here, it is officially spring. Like we Fine, can finally say that. I know a lot of you have been well into spring for a long time. We're North yeah. Idaho, and North Idaho is even slow this year. Yeah. Uh, for us. So yeah, we're we are way behind this year. <coughs> Excuse me. Um and it's finally spring. It's finally here. So we've been planting. We planted out a whole bunch of seeds. Onion sets are about to go in. I planted, I think it ended up being 18 row feet of our greens in our succession bed. We kicked mm -hmm. it off with a big bed to start and it's all under hoops to kind of gain us a little mm -hmm. solar gain here and heat it up a little bit more. So we've just been kind of doing that, like the, the season transition, which is it's always a little tricky to navigate because you're not quite in warm yet, but mm -hmm. you're not quite, you're still a little bit in cold, but you're planting, but you're still doing school. You know, there's a lot of these kind of tensions that creep up this time of year where it's like trying to balance it all and transition smoothly. But you know, it's coming. If it's spring and it's getting warm, that thing is coming that I, I share. This is the only thing that I tend to share with you guys that's coming up. Like, here's the task that I'm about to do because I need a lot of moral support for this one. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the semi-annual clothing switch. Oh, I was even trying to go, okay, where <laughs> are you going with this? this? What is this? That's right. Now we're here. The kids are starting to say they're hot in their winter clothing or they've grown mm -hmm. out of stuff. I think just about every pair of jeans the kids own that's not church jeans or town jeans um, are holy at this point. So it's time officially, and I can't put it off any longer. <laughs> so I'm going to be doing the clothing switch. I thought I had a date on the calendar, and then a homeschool event interrupted that, so I have to change it around a little bit. But these are getting easier every year with the kids being older, so the majority of the kids being older. But... There you go. If you're brand new to uh, to following the pantry chat, you'll know that this is a challenging time of uh, year, or I'll let you know. It's a challenging time of year where I take all of the kids' clothes. There's 10 kids, and uh, we have all the bins of 
hand-me-downs or non-being currently mm-hmm. used clothes up in the attic. We have to bring all the bins down, go through everybody's clothes and get them all re-outfitted. For yeah, figure out what can get passed along, what yeah. gets, you know, thrown away or put to rags or whatever. And what, what do you need to buy new? Absolutely. Yeah. So that is coming. Hey, I wanted to share just thinking about spring and gardens because we're doing a few things um, new. We're doing a few experiments this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the hoop houses a little bit on the terraces. Those aren't really experience, right. experiments, but, um, but we have a few other things new. One is we have these terraces that extend Carolyn's kitchen garden, and we're actually bringing some of the main crop down that really isn't main crop, like leafy greens right. and chards and things that we access a little more often, getting those closer on the terraces. But with all the things in the world and all the you know supply issues and the different things, we're thinking long-term about food production past the systems we have. And, and right. Carolyn came up with the idea because we have these terraces. We can't quite fill them up yet. Some of them are going to get filled with perennials eventually. Mm-hmm. Let's experiment with some wheat yes. and do a, a, just a test patch. So we're doing a test patch of uh, spring wheat, I think, spring wheat. what that was yes. that we just planted this morning. So that's a fun experiment. Yes. Just a small space to see how it goes uh, with the thoughts of maybe one day, because that's one thing that we don't raise. We buy all our grains in. Right. And um, it's, it would be nice to list, just see, can we move towards that a little bit eventually? So that's a fun experiment. Another experiment that we're doing this year centers around producing oil for the household. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah I about this. I am doing an entire large terrace row of um, oil seed sunflowers. 400 feet. 400 that's about 400 feet, feet long. Yeah. Uh, of oil seed sunflowers. And I have just gotten myself an oil press. I've been eyeballing them for a while. What do I, you know, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And um, went ahead and just got that coming because, uh, you know, oil is one of those things that it's great. We've got lard and butter for cooking. That works out really well. Mm-hmm. But I really don't want melted lard on my salad for a dressing. I just don't. <laughs> so if you're buying sunflower seed from the grocery store, it's not very healthy. The reasoning behind that has a lot to do with the fact that it's probably gone rancid really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so they deodorize it, they bleach it, they do all these things so that you can't tell that it's rancid or to make it last a long time. Say deodorant on your sunflowers? Deodorize. Yes, they have to put it because, you know, (laughs) rancid oil stinks. And so Mm -hmm. you don't want to know that you're eating rancid oil. You'd never buy the thing again. Anyways, fresh oil, sunflower oil is healthy. It is good for you. So that's a good thing to have on hand. And the great thing is, is when you harvest the sunflowers, the seeds store for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like you can store those in whole form. And so then you can do small batches of your sunflower oil whenever you need it right through the winter. Love it. So there's we have the potential between butter, lard from the pigs, and mm-hmm. we're raising coonies now that are more of a lard pig. And then sunflower oils, you start to have all your, your cooking fats and your, your culinary yeah. fats covered. I mean, ideally, really? we, we could potentially in a few years have all of our cooking fats uh, covered on site. Well, and if that's pretty cool, it is cool. And it's important to notice if you're ever facing food shortages that the um, those are some of the things your meats, your proteins, right? And your fats are some of the first things to get scarce. And they're some of the things that you need the most. You can go forage for greens. It's a lot harder to forage for fat. Hey, and I want to I'm going to try not to go on a rant here, but (laughs) I I, want to just dig deeper into something we're touching on here for everybody because we we focus on solutions. We're often talking about the solutions, you know, sunflower seed oil oil is a solution, uh, both to something we want to do and to things happening in the world around mm-hmm. us. The wheat is a solution. And of course, our whole lives that we're living are often, you know, and you guys, a solution to things that we're seeing and things that we want different in our life. And, you know, 
while we're not focusing on the problems, there's a lot of things happening and the scarcity and the potential continued scarcity is real. The inflation is real. And we don't, I don't believe that this is transitory. Uh, it's going to peak, it's going to drop, but I think it's, it's going up. And so these challenges are not going away. And we say this from period time to time. And so I just want to remind you guys right now to stay motivated, to be continuing whatever you can do within your sphere of influence, your property, whatever scale you're at. Keep learning, keep growing, keep doing things. This is going to become more and more important. COVID wasn't a blip. It was the start to something else. And um, it's just never been more important. And so when you see these things, we're often approaching it from the solution side of things. But uh, the the need is real. The concerns are real. And um, it's why we're doing what we're doing. It's why we're doing school traditional skills, because we believe that this is needed more and more. And so we just want to encourage you guys to keep thinking about stocking up, to be building skills, uh, to be, you know, developing resiliency, mm-hmm. if you will, in every area that you can within your sphere of influence of your life and your community. There you go. I, I think that's great. And stocking up and being prepared is not hoarding. <laughs> let's just, Absolutely let's not. just call out the difference here because there are people who say if you buy, you know, two or three things at the grocery store, you know, duplicates that you're hoarding. And that is an absolute misnomer. Mm. That is a completely wrong use of the word. If you are preparing to feed your family, you're not hoarding. You are actually stocking up on something that you are going to use and you're going to take care of people with it. This was the normal way of life a hundred years ago. When your garden's ripe, you actually preserve it all and you get it all on your shelf. And that means you have a year's worth of food on your shelf at, at one given point. That is not hoarding. That is taking care of your family. Hoarding is when you're one person and you go out and you buy all that there is that you can never possibly use in order to deplete the supply. That's not what we're doing or, or by putting profit food on the off shelf. of it. Or profit off. And of it, you right? know, there and there is some wisdom to building up supplies for trade and mm-hmm. for community resiliency in the future. But that's not hoarding either. That that's thinking ahead. And um, gosh, I had a thought. Is one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, you know, it's also fighting inflation right now. 50-pound bags of wheat or canned goods are more valuable in your house than they are in your bank account. Your savings account isn't making anything, okay? And the price of everything is going up. So your dollar is better preserved, uh, you know, at least starting with creating a savings account in your house, you know, with these goods that you're going to use. And of course, then eventually animals. And uh, Justin and I were talking about this. And, you know, we want male animals. Those are reproducing assets, you know, that is growing value. And that's another step later on. But you want to be thinking, about these things because they're they're just the money in your bank is getting eaten away mm-hmm. and, and it's going to continue to yeah. This this might be its very own pantry chat coming up here, be a topic because I <laughs> think probably it's a good be. one to yeah. discuss. But I do want to move on to the questions yep. of the day. There's two of them today because we haven't been sitting here cool. doing this. So I wanted to do a few of them. So right let on. me ask you one. This okay. one's from Mons Urban Patch on Simple Methods to Dramatically Increase Your Harvest video. The mulch is the part I have issues with. When do I add mulch if I'm sowing seeds? I don't want to add the mulch and suppress the seeds from popping up. 
Absolutely, you don't. And it's a good discussion. And we always need to be talking about these things. And a lot of times people just say mulch. And that's like, you know, the blanket answer, you know, pun intended. And I've probably even communicated that way. But the reality is, is you do have to strategize. And so you have a lot of seeds, you have lettuce seeds, you've carrot seeds, spinach, a lot of your leafy greens, some of your, your root crops with smaller seeds, aren't going to push up through the mulch very well. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually gone to not even mulching those beds. Uh, one, because in our northern environment, um, and especially in this location, our other location wasn't so bad, but here it's cooler and we have a hard time getting the soil to warm up. And so I've gone to just mulching the uh, pathways in most areas. And then, you know, in those beds particularly, I'm planting very densely. So what happens is like if it's carrots, I'm planting four or five rows of carrots. So they grow up and there's a living mulch. They're, they're covering the ground, they're shading it, and that, that suppresses weeds and holds in moisture. Mm -hmm. So yes, you're right. You don't want to mulch in certain things. Now, depending on your environment, other things like uh, corn, pops up through a couple of inches of mulch, no problem. So do beans. Um, so do your, a lot of your squashes. Those will all come up through a mulch bed. So if you want to mulch those beds and seed into them, you might where you seed, leave it a little bit lighter and leave it thicker, you know, make a row. But most of those things will come up just fine through the mulch if it's not too large, you know, and you shouldn't be mulching your garden with big, large chips anyways. It should be, you know, uh, straw or wood shavings that are smaller, not the bigger wood chips. Those, those are, you you know, just going to make it hard to work in your garden and peed things. Save those for your walkways. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one part of it. The other part is, you know, if you're not planting as densely as, say, we do, where we're really maximizing use, maybe you're in a drier area and you're doing larger spacing, then, yeah, you're going to need to either pull the mulch aside as another strategy and create a furrow. And, you know, if you're going to plant your carrots, say, a foot apart, you can, and I'm just using those as a good example because they're ones that are highly sensitive to having to push through things, create a little furrow in, in your beds and plant in there, leave the mulch piled on the sides, and then as they grow up, you can push the mulch back around them a little bit. That is another strategy that you can do to work with the mulch. Mm -hmm. um, for those of us that are growing for production, I've just learned studying John Martin Fortier and some of the market gardeners, really, we just plant densely and let the plant be, you know, the mulch. It gets up fast enough and it covers the soil. And so it's, you know, it's it's a living ground cover in essence. And right. then and then if you want to cover it in the off season, great. Um, pathways are the mulch in our garden. It's lively. So the pathways are always going down. So you could mulch after the season, leave it covered. When you go to plant, just move that mulch over into your walkways and keep going. So you have to be dynamic, yeah. right? You have to think about each scenario and how to work with that system. And hopefully that gives you a few ideas. Good, great. Okay. All right, for you, we've got love, love on <laughs> what I do with too much raw milk. Can I dry can the freeze dried milk? I bought bulk freeze dried whole milk. They only put it in a Big plastic bag in a cardboard box, $200 of milk. I want to do something safer with it before it spoils. Okay, good question. So dry canning is actually just a form of vacuum sealing. And this is important to know because what you're doing is you are putting the, um, you know, something that's already shelf stable into a jar putting that jar into the oven to heat the entire thing up. And then when it comes out, you're capping it down and letting it down to create that mm -hmm. suction as it cools down. So essentially what you're doing is vacuum sealing. If you're dry canning something like grains, then and there might be an 
insect issue in there. You know, grains are kind of known. They can have a little Especially bit of insect Especially in hu more humid environments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They can have the eggs in there. You're also killing those off by heating it first. So that can be a, a good thing. For the milk, yes, you can absolutely do that. It will extend your shelf life of your milk. Um, you can also just pack your jars really full and just vacuum seal them. If you have a vacuum sealer, that works out really well too. Um, but you do have to remember that, you know, there's a reason why most dry milk is non-fat milk, and that's because your fat goes rancid even when properly stored, right? Mm. The only thing that's going to slow that down is the freezer. So if, you know, to, to really get the greatest extension on this, you would vacuum seal it and then stick it in your freezer, to be honest. Okay. Um, yes, you can get longer on the shelf with just dry canning it or vacuum sealing it. That will definitely extend it. Definitely get it out of that plastic and, and mm. you know, whatever you said there, the, the paper and plastic scenario. Get it out of that. Get it into glass or into mylar bags or something like that and get it vacuum sealed that way. Um, and that will extend your dry milk storage for a long ways. And if you really want it to go, stick it in the freezer afterwards. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. All right. So today for our main topic, we're talking about how to choose priorities on the homestead, which is challenging for all of this, but all of us. But we have a question from a long time listener here at the Pantry Chat, Laura Ayers. And I just wanted to read what she sent in to us because I think a lot of us can identify with this mm -hmm. feeling. Absolutely. How do you make your priorities... How do you make your priorities about what you will do, Carolyn? If there is anything I find frustrating about homesteading is that it is all interesting and all worthwhile. That's her. <laughs> <laughs> just, just stop sleeping. You'll, you'll get it all done. It totally works. <laughs> but there are so only so many hours in a day and only so many available brain cells. Oh, yes. I want to do everything. Spin wool, make soap, grow herbs, and make homemade teas can all the things, ferment all the things, freeze all the things, quilt a quilt for each kid, make baby clothes, use cloth diapers, <laughs> knit mittens and socks. I get out of breath just thinking about it all. How do you wade through what you really think is important? Yeah, I love it. I mean, you're just getting after it. I love that. I think this is a but really But it's the truth. Good, yeah. yeah. But I think we all feel that way. Like our list of things that we want to do is like this long and it grows every yeah. year, right? The things that we have energy, resources, and mind, you know, she said brain cells, I love that for, is maybe only about this long. Yeah. And how do you reconcile those two? Well, it's it's a challenge and it's a big topic. We're going to try to cover it here today. But, you know, I, I'm reading uh, Joel Salatin's uh, Polyface Micro right now. It's a good reminder for me and inspiration for some of the homesteading stuff. He's kind of bringing his things down. The book is like this thick. It's several inches thick. This topic could have a book that thick. It really could. Um, because there's a lot that goes on here. And so we're going to try to consolidate a little bit of just what we do naturally, how we approach things and, and think about things because you do have to prioritize. And a lot of it comes down to to needs, mm -hmm. wants, uh, available resources, 
and return on your efforts. I mean, if you could put it in those things to needs, wants, you got to separate those out mm -hmm. and find time for both. You need both. You need to do things you yeah. want to do. Yeah. And we'll dive in a little bit more here. But you've got your needs. You've got your wants. You've got your resources, your time, your money, your natural abilities, mm -hmm. you, your family. And then you've got the return. The effort needs to be worthwhile. It needs, you know, needs to be productive, right. whether it's providing a need or the want is giving you an emotional return or, or something like that. Right. So that that's where this discussion starts, uh -huh. right? I think you could have a quarter of a book for each one of those sections. Well, and even in brainstorming this amongst ourselves, we realized we don't really have like a concise methodology. We just both work I mean, okay, we're husband and wife. <laughs> Our brains do not work the same way in most <laughs> cases. But for the most part, we kind of work off the same set of ideas on the way we mm -hmm. choose these things. Sometimes we have joint projects where we're having to work this out together. Sometimes it's individual, you know, how do we get through our days? Yeah. What do we prioritize first? So I think, you know, even finding the language to talk around this can be a little bit challenging, but... Yeah. Yeah, it can. And so I think um, well, you've got those four parameters that we that that you kind of there's this cyclical thinking, and I like to use the permaculture thinking in, in the paradigm of planning and working. So in permaculture, you come in, you observe, you, you you take stock of everything, and you observe. You make notes, mental notes, paper notes, whatever it is in a situation. Mm -hmm. You observe what's going on, and then you come up with a plan. So careful observation helps you create a good plan. Okay. And then you go and enact that plan. And plan is like a budget, you know, it's a guide. It's a, it's like, you know, it's just, it's a plan. You do your best to enact it. Sometimes you got to wait for the results of your action. And then you turn around, and you observe and you make more notes. How did that go? How did that work? And then you adjust and you take action again. And that's a cycle that's always happening. So as we exactly. talk about these different topics, that's always going on. It, that never stops because we're always learning. We're always trying new things. We're always needing to improve. And so that is a cycle in the backdrop that's always happening in that observe, plan, act, and then observe again and keep the loop going. So I really like that um, bank account, the budget mm -hmm. analogy there, because that also brings in this idea that you have these things that you need, mm -hmm. you have the things that you want. And like Josh mentioned, you know, you need to keep the spark alive mm -hmm. in your homesteading. The spiritual, I mean, emotional, yeah. relational aspects. So you need those things that you want to keep you going. There's, you know, little bits of that. Um, but then you have to always be considering like, what's the most valuable thing for me to maybe spend my money on, right? Mm -hmm. Let's, if we're going to put it in that terms, what's the biggest return for, you know, the biggest bang for my buck, right? right. When it comes to making these priorities. So I really like that kind of word picture of bringing the, the budget into it. Yeah, really is. So it kind of it kind of starts with those needs. What, what, are, what are your basic needs in life? And then you start moving into what of those needs can you meet? You know, and to use us for an example, food is we're, we're 12 people. And honestly, we're actually often 14 to 18 or 20 people in and out of the, in and out of the house in this property that we're feeding. And so food is by far, it's bigger than the mortgage, it's bigger than insurance, it's bigger than anything else. And so that gets a lot of attention to mm -hmm. us. Our, our life often revolves around that. That's one of the biggest needs. And we have the skills and the ability to meet that need. Again, I want to just dive in here to the idea of needs on the homestead, because theoretically, like there's a lot of people who don't live a homesteading life. Mm -hmm. Do you, is there anything that's a need? Because you could go to the grocery store. Like you're saying, for us, just the sheer 
sheer quantity and quality of the food becomes a need. We could not purchase this food at this quality, this amount, at the grocery store. Right. So financially, we just couldn't. Couldn't. We do couldn't it. do it, and we set a priority early on in life when our mm -hmm. children were very little uh, about health. <clears throat> Excuse me about health and the need to, and, and actually several areas of our life, you know, our mental health, our mm -hmm. spiritual health, our physical health. So this is the, the, the physical part of it. And that we realized it was going to be very expensive as our family grew and we were having a large family mm -hmm. to go buy that. And that was part of that. This become part of the solution. Yeah. So, so for, for us, us, that becomes a need for you guys. There might be an inability to purchase something in the area where you live. That's mm -hmm. a good quality. It might be that you have, um, you know, medical things that you have to consider and you have to do something a certain way. And the only way to do that realistically is to create it yourself. Yeah. There, there are a lot of things that actually do constitute a need. And a lot of times it's those needs that got us to homesteading in the first place. Well, it is. And so those are the trails to follow in mm -hmm. the beginning. And I think, you know, a good example, say you live in an area that um, you can't get raw milk in yeah. and you've got, you know, some some allergies, somebody in your family with allergies to milk and you can afford a piece of property or you have access to a little bit of grazing land, then, then that dairy cow becomes very much in need. And so you might put your energy into that and less into gardening because maybe you could buy good garden produce, you know, nearby. And so you can support a farmer and that's the priority in the need and right. it's different for everybody and that's why this could take a lot of time to flesh out because yeah. you have to decide you know what what are the areas to focus on that you need but then you combine that with skill set too and resources mm -hmm. like what kind of land do you have you yeah. know and what things are you good at naturally mm -hmm. right what are you interested in right what are you interested in and always the sweet spots have you ever seen those charts and there's a name for them you might the know diagram charts. is that what they are where there's circles or yeah. different things and you have these different categories and then they overlap. Yeah. And there's places where there's no overlap there's one or two overlap and then you get all the way down to the sweet spot where depending on how many categories you have, there's three, five overlap. And, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing makes a guideline of like, wow, this is top priority. This is where it all comes together. And then out of that, okay, this gets a focus around it and, and so on. And that, that's a good way to prioritize, start to prioritize these different things that you're interested in, mm -hmm. you know, some of those wants and where do the wants fill into the needs and, and start to get priority. Well, and I think there's a really important discussion here about the the times that we live in mm -hmm. and that a lot of us are feeling this urgency to gain skills. And we look at it and we say, you know, right now the grocery store is available to me, but some of us feel like maybe that might not always be the case. Well, and we're... so we feel like it might be a need in the future, but right now it's just a want or a desire. Mm -hmm. And so that starts to come into play too. Yep. Like how how urgent is this to learn? How much is this going to affect you in the future? Yeah. Um, that starts to come into the conversation also. Yeah, very cool. Um so I think getting, you know, just try to keep this moving along. And again, it's like finding the language, finding the way to move through this well, because this is <laughs> such a thick topic, but so important is you want to make sure you're getting return on what you're doing. And especially if it's a need. So, you know, sometimes it takes time to build return on your efforts. You have to develop a skill. So you need that plan, but you're working toward making sure there's good return for the effort. You know, if you're spending too much time on something and, and down the road, yes, you're getting a return 
return, but what's the effort going into it and the resources? You got to evaluate a little bit and make sure that that return is worthwhile mm -hmm. to you. And it starts with needs, but even some of the wants fill that gap where, okay, you're, you've got your needs and maybe some of those things you're working hard at and they're draining. Um, and so you're going to do some of these other things on her, you know, your list here that um, are more of a want. They definitely maybe fit into the homestead. And I loved your list because it's all productive. It's all working towards something that feeds into the homestead. And so if that's your want, which we tend to be that way, a lot of things we want to do somehow fit into the puzzle mm -hmm. real well. And I mean, that's just cool all by itself. But um, you want to make sure you're getting a return on that as well. You know, even if it's like you're deciding to knit, maybe you can't really be productive on knitting in a way that's going to really benefit the family, but it's a skill you enjoy learning and it gives you pleasure and it, it gives you a sense of fulfillment and creativity and some of those aspects that is, you need a few of those. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to that need category. You need a few of those in your life. Well, and let's let's circle around to learning this new skill, this idea of, okay, what new skills are we going to learn? Not just what okay. projects are we going to engage in? Mm -hmm. Because there's a very, it's very different to be learning a new skill than it is to just doing a project, right? Yeah. It takes so much more, what did, what did you say up here? Brain cells. It takes so much more mental space to learn a skill um, than it does to just come back to it because you know how to do it. So I like to try to pull out a couple skills a year that I am going to learn mm -hmm. so that in following years, it can just be, hey, I'm just making soap today. I'm not learning how to make soap today. I've already done that. I've got that pretty dialed in. And yeah, I haven't maybe done it for a year. So I got to look over my notes, but it's pretty easy mm -hmm. to do. Um, and I, I want to give you guys permission right now, because I know the world does not necessarily give you permission. I want to validate those of you guys who say, I'm learning the skill this year. I'm going to learn how to grow this thing. I'm going to learn how to produce this thing. And after I know how to do that, uh, sufficiently well that I can actually take that action and, and make that thing. I'm going to go back to buying it from the grocery store until I need that skill. Mm -hmm. There is nothing wrong with that. That is not a failure. That is, that is learning a skill and being able to do something. And that is extremely valuable. So, you know, maybe one year you're learning two skills and you're getting through that next year, you can learn two more skills and just implement the skills from the first year. Or you can say, hey, I learned those skills. I don't need to do them now. I have all the supplies on hand. I have the know-how mm -hmm. on hand. Um, so if I have to, I can do that. But I'm going to move on to learning a different set of skills. That is absolutely okay to do. And you're, you're tying into the practical, some practical planning real good here. But I want to give an example. And I, I think of butter a lot. So, you know, a lot of times you'll learn to make butter by hand. And that's great. That's a good skill to have. You ever got to be off-grid, powers down. Um, um, but probably what you want to do after you learn how to make butter, the traditional way, the old way, you know, then you get yourself a butter churn that's powered. That's how you make butter every day in your life to make right. it doable. But you know, you've got the skill in your back pocket. And there's so many things that apply to that. And, and that is, you know, traditional skills in the modern context. And, right. and that's really important to focus on and know to make this life doable. Mm -hmm. um, but coming back around, you were starting to talk about the practical. I think this is a good place. You were talking about planning, like preparing for two skills. And so we were talking earlier before we got on about this, and I'll start at the big, at the broad picture, and then mm -hmm. we can narrow it down. You, you definitely want to 
plan what you're going to do. So like on our homestead here at Riverbend, we sit down every year and we look at uh, from everything big to everything small, what do we need and want to accomplish? Right. And we kind of list that out. Okay. Then we prioritize it and what's more of a need, mm -hmm. what's more of a want. Then we look at our resources, you know, what, what do we think we can achieve? Mm -hmm. And then we organize by what we think we can achieve. And most of them don't make the list in a year. So you've got this list here of so many things. Well, we, we end up with with a list of things and we say, okay, this is number one, this is number two. I think realistically we can get these six things done probably because we're always ambitious. We're going to get, you know, four to maybe five of them done, but we tackle them in order of priority. And so we don't go on to this one until we get to this one. And that has to allow for the reality that there's always other things that go sideways and get in the way. Or the, oh yeah, I forgot that I ordered this many extra chickens this year. And so now we need to stop and make a chicken tractor. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you always have to account hint, hint. for a wife. <laughs> Real scenario right now. <laughs> but you can also do that with the skills like Carolyn was talking about and say, you know, I want to set out to learn three skills. Right. I'm going to start with this one, and then I'm going to move to that one, then I'm going to move to that one. If you don't get through them, it's okay. You do that next year and you build them in. If you do, great. Have a long enough list so that if it goes better than expected, which is rare in our experience because so much happens, but then you've got a place to go and you're able to then take these things and prioritize how you go about them. Absolutely. Good. Well, this is one of those things that we could probably talk about for a long time. Like, yeah. So hopefully this has been helpful in, in just giving some ideas about how we actually approach this. Um, but again, Make sure you get some of the fun things in too, because it is work. All of this is work and you need to make sure you're doing the things that like spark your joy also. Yeah. So those need to be sprinkled in because sometimes, you know, canning things is fun for a little bit, but then it, it does become just labor at some point. Well, and, and you need not only for yourself, for your family, you know, and, and we're, we can be bad at this. We're driven. We want to get things done, whether it's our own personal desire, whether it's in reaction to what we see happening in the world around us. And we feel like, man, we, we you know, we need to figure out how to start growing wheat. We need to do this. We need right. to do that. But, you know, it, it's, we need to be building family. We need to be building, hopefully, generational visions, building the next generation up into this and working within the context we're in and, and having some peace and some enjoyment in our life. And so make sure you do that. It's very, very important. God first, people second. All the rest of it can fall right behind, yep, right? Yeah. There we go. Good, good wrap right okay, there. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Hey, don't forget to jump over and get your subscription to the magazine because you really want to get this in front of you so you can have all the recipes. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy it. It's a beautiful magazine. I love it. It really is. You've done a phenomenal job, you and, and the team, in putting this Homestead Kitchen magazine together. It's exciting yeah. to see. I really enjoy it. All right, you guys. It's been great hanging with you. And hey, I'll be here next week. So we'll, we'll both see you soon. We'll get two in a row. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.